1: Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today I'd like to talk about online diagnosis and internet medicine. Now I've got to thank someone called Karen uh, for this episode topic because, again, one of many people that reach out on social media and ask me to cover certain topics. It's a really great one, and probably one that we have become so used to doing in recent years, because the internet's not a new thing anymore, really, is it? That we accept it as part and parcel of our way of life. We look at everything online. I don't know who doesn't. You know, the first thing that you look at if you want to check information of any sort or anything, really, is you go online, whether it's with your handheld device, like a phone, or on your desktop or laptop. And health is no exception. And one of the biggest things that's changed in medicine, certainly since I started, when I went to med school, which was, in fact, I started over 30 years ago in September 1992, after a year off after school. And back then, even as medics, if you wanted to look something up, It was pretty onerous because search engines weren't that good, Uh, the internet was in its infancy and there was a lot of time spent at the library looking up references and chasing things down. And to be honest, medicine was a closed shop because the public really couldn't access medical information that easily. And truth be told, the profession was quite paternalistic. You did what the doctor told you to do and you didn't question it. So that's one side of it. The other side of going online for anything to do with your health is, you know, Googling symptoms or, or um, looking things up that you might be worried about. Or if you have had some tests and you're waiting for results and you think that you may be diagnosed with something, uh, reading up on that there are so many sources of information. Where do you go? What do you look at? Who do you trust? And it can be very confusing, especially if you're someone who likes exactitude. And medicine isn't one of those disciplines. Very rarely are things absolutely exact. You know, obviously they they, they have to be in certain fields, you know, like measurements for certain types of microsurgery or whatever. But um, in general... The, the science itself is not one where you can always have absolutes. It's not like law, for example, or engineering where there are rules and things can, not always, but are usually a bit more black and white. Now, things have moved on dramatically. So with the use of AI and also other digital technologies, actually symptom Googling or, you know, just looking up your symptoms online is in in some ways less dangerous if you find the right source. In other ways, it's more dangerous because you can be scammed or, you know, convinced to buy things online that probably aren't going to help you. So it's a double-edged sword. But one of the links in the show notes is a video of a clip of a program that I was involved in about 10 years ago now, called Bango's The Theory. It was a big science show on BBC One for many years. And you'll you'll see there a direct comparison of a member of the public having a look online um, in terms of trying to translate their symptoms versus myself making a diagnosis. Now, obviously, no doctor is always ever correct with their diagnosis. but um, But yeah, they were fairly straightforward, I think, So that's just something interesting to look at in the show notes. But going back to how things have evolved, that was then. That was almost exactly 10 years ago, actually. And what you find now is that the technology, the decision-making technology in terms of symptoms is a lot more sophisticated. So you don't have to just type your symptoms into a search engine. You can find symptom checkers. Now, I'm not a massive fan of these because I think some of them are, Not that great. Um, And what's also interesting in primary care now, in general practice in the UK, you'll notice that most practices have what's known as a digital front door. So you actually access the practice, and this includes my own uh, practice in the NHS, uh, online predominantly. Obviously, some people are not going to be able to do that and they need to use the phone. But one of the reasons we like it is that there is now the technology for certain pieces of software to help you triage and help you work out whether something is serious or not. And what you do is, you know, as a doctor, you're going to ask certain questions for certain things. So, for example, if the symptom is headache, uh, you might ask how long it's been going on for. You might ask which part of the head is affected. You might ask when it comes on in the day, etc., etc. And actually, computers or computer-generated questionnaires are able to get that info. You just ping it to the patient, and the patient answers it, and it comes back to their medical record. Pretty neat. And, you know, on other platforms, depending on how you use this kind of technology, the actual program will help you make a diagnosis. Now, there, there are some very good ones that i have seen um i I don't endorse anything in particular so i'm not going to name any names but i will give you some examples of them in the show notes so the other thing i've noticed over the years is there's a bit of a backlash towards actually looking online so a lot of patients come in nowadays and they go do you know what i've not looked and i'm always quite surprised by that and i go you know and this is in the context of me saying oh What do you think it is yourself, you know, particularly if someone's got nebulous symptoms? And increasingly people are going, do you know what, I I just don't look anymore. Because I I think people are beginning to realise it's just so confusing that it's probably best left to someone who diagnoses for a living. The difficulty for the doctor or the nurse or whoever you're seeing um, is that as I said earlier on, medicine is not a science of exactitude. And that means that sometimes we get it wrong, and you're never always going to get it right. And occasionally, people will say, well, they won't tell you that they've looked something up, and they'll go, oh, I thought it was this. And I'm slightly annoyed with myself, because I think I should have got that out earlier in the consultation, because we could have saved a lot of time. So that's quite a good tip. If you think there's something going on it's best that you fess up early on in the consultation and tell whoever you're seeing so there's there's lots to think about here because in in one sense looking online is a normal part of self-help I guess because if you're looking for information say for example you've pulled some muscles in your back and you just want um, some generic information I think that's pretty well done on the internet I have to say and and again I'm talking about trusted established health websites like the NHS website um, or something that has some sort of evidence base so there's an American website called Healthline which is part of medical news today I think they're pretty good again I'm not endorsing any of these I'm just saying that they've been out there and they're you know um, peer-reviewed if you like someone checks the content Uh, But if you've got something a bit more nebulous, like you feel tired all the time, or you've got random gut symptoms, it's probably not a great idea just to have a a look online in terms of search engines. You need something a bit more intelligent in terms of that AI type diagnosis. And again, very hit and miss. Um, There was a well-known company that Entered the market a few years ago, promising that they could diagnose things, um, you know, with whatever device you had in your hand. But actually, it was just a- appalling. It was terrible and quite dangerous. I think. So, in in summary, I guess we're not quite there yet. I don't think, uh, in terms of diagnosing completely um, using artificial intelligence. So, the person that got in touch with me. Um, actually gave me a scenario and the scenario was how do you stop yourself from looking online when you're waiting for a diagnosis and that's a really difficult one because you you just don't know until you know and I'll I'll give you an example of this someone I know several years ago had a blood test and it showed that they kidney function was reduced quite dramatically and this person got really down about it in fact it, it just totally ruined their day and I said look it could be a blip you know sometimes these things happen wait till you get it retested and sure enough on the retested it had all gone back to normal and it was a blip but that could have led to looking online about you know chronic kidney disease and having a diagnosis of that when you're young and you know a a sort of a I guess a journey into something that wasn't reality and that can create unnecessary fear and of course a lot of people have chronic kidney disease but you know it's best to sort of wait until you've had a diagnosis before deciding what's best for you It is hard, I admit, and it's very personality dependent. Some people love overthinking and they love ruminating and they can't rest until they've got some certainty. No one wants false reassurance, but equally you can't spend your whole life on high alert. In some ways, I would argue that the people that are afraid of going to the doctor in fear of bad news um, and think, oh, you know what, I'm going to hide behind my keyboard and just sort of see what's out there. That's more scary, I think. It's better to actually go and see someone and get checked out. And and it brings me on to also this concept of overdiagnosis where a lot of people who who do go online they want regular checks and balances and they pay lots of money for screening tests. Now to a point I think that's a really good thing actually, because things do get picked up on some of these tests. But you also pick up a load of random things that are of no significance at all. And that can cause a bit of anxiety. Why have I got cysts on my kidneys, doctor? That kind of thing. And the thing to really remember is that if you are someone that goes and has health screens, just by having them isn't going to, you know, keep you alive for longer necessarily. It doesn't make you healthier. I remember years ago, I was speaking to a A friend of a friend who uh, is an accountant and they have you know private health cover and they have a lot of uh, an annual health screen and he says oh the test's really thorough you know um, I get a full examination including a prostate examination and blah 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 blah. but seeming to miss the point that yeah that's fine but what are you what are you going to do to sort of keep yourself well and I think, you know, we're, we're better off focusing on that. And as I've always said, you know, whatever lies ahead for me or for any anyone I know in terms of their health journey, I'd rather it, you know, the illness happened when I was 80 than at 60. That's the point, isn't it? Because at some point, illness will come and, you know, we are going to ultimately move on, aren't we? All of us. So, in summary, I guess what I'm saying is, you know what, and I do this for myself, generic stuff, great on the internet. Symptom detective work, mm, hit and miss, hit and miss, and you can't really beat proper medical advice, in my opinion, because a lot of those um, things that you access, you know, whether it's a GP service online or whatever, will... Um, will also be sometimes using AI as well as a real doctor or nurse or other healthcare professional. I think my verdict, based on years of seeing people and how they interact with online services and the internet, is you don't want to be at either extreme. You definitely don't want to be head-in-the-sand person who doesn't look at all. And you don't want to be the person that, that just keeps looking and looking leading to coming back every month or two asking for another scan because they genuinely think something's wrong now of course some people you know if they've had a history of cancer or something they're going to be on high alert but for most of us it's just not the case ultimately you want to use technology and the internet to your advantage not to make you feel worse and as i said you can't beat real life advice still in 2023 i think that's the case however good artificial intelligence is you are always going to need a person it's a little bit like pilotless planes you know there's always going to be a role for some kind of pilot okay I hope that was useful do have a look at the show notes because they contain gems of info which I think you'll love and in the meantime try not to worry too much you know if you're someone that does go online quite a lot and finds that they ruminate a bit and it's pushing you towards hypochondria just you know It may never happen, and do try and stay well. Take care, look after yourself, and until next time, bye for now. only from rustolium
0: Market. Market.